Glad to be in Acts chapter 27, and this is the last sermon I'll do from this, and at least today anyway. <laughs> and uh, I love this chapter of God's Word. It's the second to the last chapter in the book of Acts. And of course, the book of Acts is a narrative book that teaches us what God did after Jesus went back to heaven through the lives of spirit-filled Christians. Jesus goes back to heaven. His spirit comes down from heaven. It fills God's people. They go out and begin the purpose of their existence, and that is to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul becomes our main uh, character in this book. From chapter 13 on, he definitely is front and center. He gets saved in chapter 9 and, and spends a probably 7 to 10 years in preparation spending time with the Lord, and then spending time in Damascus and over into Tarshish, and then is brought over to, uh, to Antioch. And in chapter 13, he is sent out as the first official missionary to the Gentile people. And God has used him in a wonderful way. He's in his, uh, probably his late 50s, early 60s, at the time that he uh, records, that the Holy Spirit records this story. You kind of wonder why God would spend an entire chapter of God's Word talking about a storm, talking about what happens in a storm uh, in the life of one of his saints. I think it's probably because uh, from time to time, you and I will go through storms. And uh, some days are just wonderful. And when you're having a good day, you thank God for that. You're having a good season, praise the Lord for that. But I'll promise you, if you keep breathing, you'll go through a few storms. Child Trials will come. They're very unique. Apostle uh, James, or James said, James, the brother of Jesus, said, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, different kinds of trials and problems. Because those trials work patience, and, uh, and they give us patience, strength to keep going through other things. But we need wisdom in the middle of our storm. You know, some storms in this life are caused by, they're just caused by living in a sin-cursed world. We've got lots of problems in our world, and some storms come in, it's not your fault, it's not anybody else's fault, it's just, it's a fault of sin. And we live in a very, a very wicked world, and it's cursed, uh, it's anti-God as a general rule, and sometimes trials come in the life of a Christian for no reason except for we just have problems. You live and then you die. Uh, your body will not work the same as good whenever you're 70 as it did when you were 70. How many can testify to that right there, all right? Yeah, when you've been down to pick up something, you're thinking of other things I can bend down to pick up, you know, while I'm down here. You know, so some guy said, I don't have to do drugs or alcohol. I can just stand up real fast and get the same effect, you know. Uh, as you get older, you find, my goodness, my body is not the same. The old gray Mary, what she used to be. And we understand that. But some things in life happen because it's just it's the way it is. The, 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 uh, the, the life takes that way. Sometimes it's because of self-induced problems. I just made bad decisions. I did something sinful myself. I, I allowed myself excuses to do things wrong, and they've complicated my life. How many can testify that that's happened a few times? Sure. Sometimes if someone goes through storms because uh, God allows it for his eternal purpose. It's, not, it's a head-scratcher. You're not sure. I, I'm sure Satan's involved like Job. There was no book of Job when Job was going through Job. Job didn't know about all that was going on behind the scenes. All he knew that he had a funeral for, seven, for ten of his kids, seven boys and three girls. He knew that he had a wife that was, her heart was broken. 
He knew that he used to have plenty of money and plenty of possessions, and now he's went from riches to rags. He used to know he had a healthy body, and now he's got a, he's got a diseased body that's just hurting from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He's pretty miserable. And, uh, but, but Job's story was for God's glory. And your story is supposed to be for God's glory. And I'm a poet and didn't know it. <laughs> the truth of the matter is what you're going through, you need to understand that there are sometimes you go through problems and all our problems are father-filtered if you're a child of God. Even the, the most difficult things, God has entrusted you with what you're going through. We've got sweet people right now battling cancer, listening to my voice right now, here in this room and some online, in hospital rooms. We've got folks that, are, that, uh, that, that they're going through a divorce, and it's not their fault. There's some folks that their mom and dad are going through divorce, and sometimes because of selfishness and, and just self-centeredness. But, but they're going through it. There's rejection in this room. There's financial reversal. There's challenges. And some of these things, we don't understand why they're happening. And you can ask why, but you better be able to take the silence of God because he didn't have to explain anything to us. But sometimes he'll do anything. He can make all things work together for good. If we will love him and be committed to his purpose. And then sometimes we have problems that are... are um, they're, they're because of sin and complications of others. Other people have sinned, and it directly affects us. Sometimes we have that in America. One of the problems of America is, is selfish, greedy, power-hungry leaders who are not serving the people. They're serving their own interest. They're not trying to find out what's best. They're actually trying to create chaos. It's, it's embarrassing sometimes. Think about that. But when a country has bad leadership, it suffers badly. Just what happens. Sometimes it's parents and other people that have created issues and storms that you had nothing to do with. It wasn't your fault. And we have here a story of a storm. And the Apostle Paul is on this ship with 275 others. He has two believers that he knows, and that's Aristarchus and Dr. Luke. They're with him. He warned the people before they took off from the ship. They're on a large grain ship that's going from, from, uh, from an area in Crete, making its way to Rome. It's about 435 miles by the ocean to get there. And Paul tells them as they're getting ready to unlock from the, from the docks there, he says, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. He said, it's October, and the Passover has passed, and it's not a good time to be on the Mediterranean Sea making our way up there. I don't think it's a good idea that we do this. But the Bible says that the... The, the, the centurion who was taking all the prisoners, including him, to Caesar's office in Rome, believed the shipmaster and the owner of the ship more than he believed Paul. And he said, I think it's a good idea. And through some bad decisions, some by compulsion, some by compensation, some because of the consensus of the majority, others of them because of the, because of the circumstances were favorable at the time, they all just... Bad counsel, they just left. Paul maybe retreated to the place where he was and sit there and he began to pray. As they got out of the port, obviously, they ran into one of the most violent storms called Euryclidon. It would be a modern-day hurricane or a typhoon that came. And it wasn't long till they made their decision, but they lost control of the ship. 
ship was, the ship was doing its own thing. And they went ahead and put down the sails and just let the ship do its thing. And it just got worse and worse. Fourteen days where dreams were shattered and, and, and uh, work was extended and, and, and it was very costly. Resources were lost. Hope was lost. All hope they should be saved was, was taken away. And the Bible tells us that it was really bad. And then Paul stands up and he says, I've got something to tell you guys. The Lord has ministered to me. And what he said to me is, I'm going to go to Caesar. I've got a court date with Caesar and I'm going to be there when it happens. That means I'm going to make it out of the ship. And whatever happens, I'm going to get there. God's told me that. He also told me that everyone who stays on the ship with me, you're going to get out of this thing okay too. There's not going to be any, we're going to lose the ship, we're going to lose the cargo, but we're not going to lose you if you'll stay on the ship. And he gave them that, that confidence. Let's look if we can, please, at the verse real quickly. If you would, please go back to chapter 27, and we're looking at verse number 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it is told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, and we were driven up and down in Adria about a midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to a, a, a some country. He said it was about the fourteenth day. They didn't see the sun and moon and stars. And in any of those days, it was low cloud cover, storms, rain, wind, violence. And they're miserable. Many of them are seasick. Uh, many of them have threatened, they've, they've, they're fasting, but their gods are trying to seek for any hope they can have, and uh, they're in trouble. And they said that they now have made about 36 miles a day on average from where they left until they got to Adria, which is the, the area of the sea where they were at. And the shipmen, people that were skilled sailors, they knew they were coming close to some land. Look, if you would please, in verse number 28, and the Bible says that they sounded or they measured and found it 20 fathoms. That's about 120 feet deep. They, they measured the, 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 the ocean floor. It was 120. And when they had gone a little farther, they sounded or measured it again. They found it 15 fathoms, about 90 feet. When fearing lest we should fall upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. The Bible says they were... They were Struggling there, they realized they were getting close, but it was still night, it was still dark, it was still overcast, and, and they couldn't see their hand in front of their face probably, but they measured, and they realized that we're getting closer to some land. But fearing lest they just come and then have no control, they'll be banging up against the rocks and be broken apart with their, with their ship, they just dropped four anchors and they waited to the morning. Let's look at the next part of the Bible, if you would please. And the Bible tells us, verse number 30, And the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship. And when they had let down the boat to the sea, under the color or under the pretense as though they would have cast out anchors in the foreship, they put anchors in the back of the ship. And then the, the shipmen, the sailors, pretended like they were going to the front and they were going to drop some more anchors in the front. But their idea was to let out boats and get out while, while the getting's good. They're scared to death, they're, but they're skilled. They know they've been, this is not their first storm, or they thought it was their last storm. But if we're getting closer to shore, their idea was they would say, yeah, we're going to put some anchors out in the front, but instead they were letting down the little lifeboats. And they're jumping in the lifeboats to go out. That's what they were planning to do. Uh, and then we see that Apostle Paul had figured this out. 
By the way, God, uh, the Bible says, a secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. When you're close to God, I think God tells us things. It's not being spooky, but his Holy Spirit ministers to you. And you know what? You need to know the secret of the Lord. Psalm 25, verse 14, the secret of the Lord within the fear of him. People that do not fear God. I'll tell you who doesn't fear God. Someone who doesn't care about his word and someone who doesn't honor the Lord with their giving. Those two things I know for sure teach us the fear of the Lord. You can say, well, I, I don't, I'm not listening to that. I got my own ideas. You're not, knock yourself out. But I'm telling you what, it gets real lonely living life without God. And I want to encourage you to be faithful in that area. But nonetheless, Paul was the one man on the ship and probably his other two comrades. They were close to God. And he knew what was happening. And he said to the, to the centurion, he says, look, those guys are going to cut them. They're going to, they're going to go out there. They're, going, they're not putting anchors down. They're letting the boat down. They're going to get away and leave us here on the ship without any skillful, um, skillful um, shipment. We don't know how to work this ship. The sailors are getting out of here. And this time, the centurion believed him. And they ran over there. Let's see what happens. If you would please, the Bible says in verse number 31, And Paul said to the centurion, to the soldiers, Except these, except the sailors abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the, sa- then the soldiers cut the ropes off the boat and let her fall off. So the boat they were going to get into, they just took a knife and cut the ropes, and the little boat went by itself without, uh, without the sailors on board. And while the day was coming on, I'm sure there was a lot of uh, arguments there in that situation. And Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This is the day, the 14th day, that you have tarried, continued fasting, you haven't eaten well, you have taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you, take some meat, for this is your, for your health. And for there shall not a hair fall from your head of any of you. And, uh, of course, if you're Terry Hederman, that would be very easy to be able to say that. Terry's my friend. He appreciates that. Any kind of a shout-out, even if it's negative, he likes it. And when he had thus spoken and took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all, and when he had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And they were all of the ship, about 200 and uh, three score and 16 souls. We find here several things, and I, 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 you know the story. We've just explained that to you, and we find that we've got the soldiers that, that have now cut the little boat and probably said, what are you guys doing? You're trying to leave. You're being a coward. We're in the middle of the storm, and you guys are the, you know the ship, and you're going to leave on your own? Come on. And they cut the little ship, and the ship, the little boat goes off, and they're stuck there. I'm sure they were probably embarrassed and ashamed about what they were planning to do, but, but they were desperate. They were scared. By the way, fear really messes with your decision-making. Fear robs you of power, love, and a sound mind, the Bible tells us. When we're overwhelmed with fear, we don't have the power we need to do to do what we need to do. We don't love the way we should love, and we certainly do not think the way we should think. It's a problem. They were overwhelmed with fear and probably just self-preservation. The little ship goes off, and then Paul changes the subject. He said, guys, look, it's been 14 days. We've been in the storm. You haven't eaten well. Some of you are fasting. How about this? Let's make a meal. Let's get something to eat. How many like that idea? Really good. Like it right now. Wouldn't you like it right now? He said, let's make a meal. And let's feed. Let's eat. We've got to take some nourishment. This is good for our nourishment because he knew in a few moments some of them were going to be swimming. 
Some of them were going to be trying to make their way off rocky, off a bad storm into the shores. He said, let's, let's everybody eat something. And then they brought the food, and he took the bread, and he broke it in, in the presence of them. And he lifted his voice, and even with 276 of the people there, who many of them did not know the God he knew, did not worship the God he worshipped, I'm sure they bowed their heads and prayed. Because uh, this time, Paul was the captain, the real captain of the ship. He was the one, when he spoke now, people listened. He broke bread, and he said, let's take something to eat. Everybody eat something. And they, they ate something, and when they ate something, they felt better. Matter of fact, cheer. How many of you have that same testimony? After you eat something, you feel better. Yeah. He said, they all cheered up. They got over the guys trying to leave on the boat and all the arguments or whatever. They probably got out that. They, you know, they felt better about things after they had eaten. And then we'll find that the morning came. And there was a, there was a, a creek. They, they, they saw there was a little bay. The word creek in your Bible is another word for it is bosom. It had a, a place, a little bay that they could make their way into that. They emptied out all the wheat. They took all the, uh, the, the bags of wheat and they began to throw them into the sea. They emptied out all the wheat and they put it away. And uh, then they lifted up the anchors in the back and it's, it's headed toward the ocean or headed toward the sea. They can see it. They made it way in there and it stuck into the ground. And uh, the back of the boat was just being pillaged by the, uh, by the waves. But they all get out and they all make it to shore. I love the story. A lot of applications I see here. Just a couple things I want to remind you about from last week. Number one, uh, all of us have storms. Number two, all storms, storms are not my fault. They're not your fault. But we all have them. We've talked about that already. I would say also storms are sometimes very long, intense, unprecedented, unpredictable, and overwhelming at times. Some storms allow us to lose hope. It causes us to wonder, is this really worth it? Am I going to make it out of this thing? How is it going to happen? Because the problem that I'm looking at sometimes seems a lot larger than me. Some storms, and storms, they require more work. In the middle of your storm, you're going to have to exercise some effort. The Bible tells us in this passage of Scripture in verse 16 that they rode harder. They worked hard to try to keep the, 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 the thing in, in check. But sometimes it's not in trying, it's in trusting. Sometimes whenever you're working through a problem, you'll find out real quickly, you don't have what it takes. You'll kind of find out, I got nothing. What I'm doing is not working. I need faith in God. Storms can be very costly. You can lose some valuable resources in the middle of storms. It's all right. But somebody needs to have faith in the storm. Someone needs to have faith in God and determination to keep going. I've been amazed how many times I've seen people that I think they're great people, but they do not have the faith I thought they had in God. Instead of God being their help, he's become their adversary. But instead of him being their priority, he's their second or third choice. But in a storm, somebody needs to have faith in God. I like what Apostle Paul said in verse 25. He goes, brethren, be of good cheer. I have faith in God. I believe in God. Boy, this time, last time he said that. 
the captain of the ship, or the centurion said that he believed the captain and the owner of the ship more. This time he believed in God more. I'm with you on that. By the way, your faith can be very contagious to other people. Mama, say, well, I'm a single mom. Well, believe God. Determined to stay. Well, some folks, they don't, their marriage. One of the things that marriage dissolves because of, of, because of a, um, a hardened heart. The Bible says because of the hardness of heart. That's why the Bible says be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you, so many people quit when they need to keep going. I mean, some people say they're trying to drown their problems in a bottle. They go off to alcohol or to drugs. Let me just tell you, your problems know how to swim. <laughs> alcohol is not going to fix your problem. Drug addiction won't fix your problem. Divorce won't fix your problem. What you need is you need to have faith in God and determination to stay. A determination to keep on going. Would to God that we got more people that would just say, Lord, I don't, I don't trust my husband, I don't trust my wife. And you know, there's not one verse in the Bible that tells you to do that. You can't find, you read your Bible cover to cover, and it'll say, husband, trust your wife. I mean, I tell you, healthy relationships are built on trust. And if you've messed up, fess up. Confess it, repent. And really get with God. Sometimes I, I'm amazed at people who, who they're acknowledged. Okay, I did something wrong. But come on, man. No. That's the Saul response. I've sinned, but honor me now. What you need to do is come to a place that your sin is against God and God first. And then it affected other people. And confess it and forsake it. Uncover any kind of excuses and accept responsibility for what you did. Everybody wants to throw mud. When you throw mud, you're just losing, you're losing ground. And you're, some people set fires over here trying to get people to look at that fire when they're on fire themselves. And we need to confess and forsake sin. We find here that, uh, that in a storm, we need to learn to understand that God's doing something. I also want to remind you of this right here. And, 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 and uh, we need to set some anchors. You know, they set four anchors. I'll say this quickly. But what they did when they found that they were getting closer to land, they dropped four anchors. It's interesting that. I'll tell you there's four anchors you ought to drop in your storm. Number one, make sure you anchor yourself in the Word of God. Get, get, get a Bible and begin to read it and learn it. Number two, anchor yourself in responding to the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the Bible's a wonderful anchor, but you need the Holy Spirit to anchor as well. Anchor yourself in prayer. Don't try to get on social media and give out all your business to everybody else. Go to prayer. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Doesn't say tell it to Facebook. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Instagram. No, no, tell it to Jesus. When you're in a problem, you're in a storm, anchor yourself in the Word of God. Anchor yourself in the Holy Spirit and say, God, through your Holy Spirit, help me know what to do. Calm my heart. Give me discernment. Give me wisdom. And anchor yourself in prayer. Then anchor yourself in the local church. Listen, uh, there are people who say, well, I don't need church. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to go home to be married. <laughs> it makes for a better relationship with your spouse. If you want to have a right relationship with Jesus, you can't do it apart from having a right relationship with His Word, His Spirit, prayer, and the local church. God wants you to be in a body. He didn't make you lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, He made you a sheep that needs to be in a flock with a shepherd. 
That's how, that's how productivity takes place. That's how success is, is gained, especially in a storm. Anchor yourself in a storm with the Bible, with the Holy Spirit of God, with prayer, and with the local church. Decide, I'm all in. All of us, all the way. I'm in this thing. I'm not going to just tap on my knees. And I've got two kinds of Christians. Those people that go out in the waiting pools of Christianity, and they just put their toe in there, and they feel real good about themselves. And they splash themselves. They feel, oh, this is so fun. I'm going to tell you, that's not fun. What's fun is when you get out in the, and we can't feel the bottom of the pool. When you get out there where you can swim, where you can see the, what God does in deep waters of life and how he can help you. You have so many half-hearted Christians, and you're picking and choosing what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. I want to encourage you to, to be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to the, the Word of God. Be faithful to the Spirit of God. Be faithful to prayer. Be faithful to the house of God. You'll find there's blessings. Look around Christendom. You see people who finish strong at the end of their life. They're people who are faithful to God's house, faithful to God's Word, faithful to prayer, faithful to the Holy Spirit. Check me out. You find people that are a train wreck at the end of their life. They somewhere in the area stopped. I have a dear friend, a loved one of mine. That at the, you know, got, just got toward the end, got away from church. And it drove, him, it drove him to a lot of problems. And it grieves me to see that. I find also that storms require selfless and skilled servants of Christ. You know, somebody needs to stay on the boat who understands the boat and understands the storm. I, I, I think sometimes a storm reveals the selfish way in which we think. We want to just exit out. These little, soul, these little sailors, they didn't care about the rest of the people in the ship. You know what they cared about? Them. And sometimes storms, they reveal my selfishness, and sometimes storms reveal the heroism that comes. And I, I just want to say to you, if you've been saved for a while, the old ship of Zion still appreciates your contribution. You need to get in and stay in. Quit trying to exit. You young moms and dads and you middle-aged young people, you single adults, some of you, you were raised in church, you know what to do. Don't exit. Get in and stay in. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about my comfort. Someone ought, someone ought to grow up in here. Somebody ought to take off your bib and put on your apron. Figure out that life is not about what you can take in and how, what the church does for me. It's what I can do for the house of God and for the people of God in the name of God. It's a beautiful thought. But it needs skilled and selfless servants of Christ who will stay in at difficult times. I don't have time to talk about this and our time is up. But our church has gone through 135 years. We've had some good years and bad years. If you live 135 years, you'll have the same story we do. Boy, 2012, 2013, and in every year since that time, there has been some very difficult seasons. That was a very difficult time in our church history. I just want to say I tip my hat and I salute the brothers and sisters who stayed on the boat. While others were getting in lifeboats and heading back just to do whatever they wanted to do and make things humble, there's a few folks who just decided, you know, I'm staying here. I don't, I'm not all that in a bag of chips, but I, I, I'm a skilled sailor. I can figure this out. The Lord can help us. And they stayed in the ship. 
And we're all blessed because of them. I'd like to, for those of you who weren't here in 2012, let's give them a round of applause. I think they deserve it. I'm one of those people. These men on the platform, many of them, same, same folks. And just thank God for skilled, committed sailors that stay on the boat in the storm and help and structure. And sometimes that's a Sunday school teacher. I saw a Sunday school teacher over here sitting in my right section. Just still, I see him come every week bringing a little food for his class and bringing a Bible lesson to teach young men in this ministry. I thank God for that. I thank God for people who stay on the ship. I thank God for bus captains and bus workers and nursery workers and security guards. Thank God for parking attendants and people who will help park valet for our older servants of Christ. Thank God for people who worked at the college and the schools and just being faithful through the difficult seasons of life. Boy, a, a storm, we need to have our skilled, committed servants to stay in it. If you've got quit on your mind, get it off your mind. Start focusing on the person of Jesus. Don't focus on the church. Certainly don't focus on the pastor. Focus on the person of Jesus, lest you be weary and faint in your own mind. Stay faithful to him. Dig, dig deep into the word of God and dig deep into the relationship you have with the Lord. Then I'll say in a storm, last thing for sake of time, is we'll need some nourishment in a storm. We need, we need to make sure we take nourishment. I'm not talking about food orally. I'm talking about the word of God talking about a right relationship. Give us this day our daily... Oh, that's with the, the man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Make sure you independently and corporately get a relationship. If you haven't done discipleship, start doing discipleship. If you haven't, if you haven't, done, if you haven't been faithful to the word of God, decide, you know what? I'm not going to go to sleep another day the rest of my life with God's help without reading the Bible. I'm going to start talking to God every day. I'm going to be in church every time I have an opportunity. Make some decisions on that. Those are things that nourish our spiritual heart so we can survive a storm. Faith in God and determination to stay.